0: Jonathan Haidt, The Coddling of the American Mind, he talks about this phenomena that's happened amongst uh, university students, uh, college students, high school students in North America, in Australia, in the United Kingdom, and this cultural trend that has resulted in a uh, 17-fold increase in the uh, mental illness of uh, the Gen Y of people born after 1995. Uh, This massive epidemic of misery, that is taken place, that is taking place in our culture. And uh, he has an analysis of this. And I thought, in our culture, we actually, we need to shape a people who, and, and one of the things Jonathan Haidt points out is that that even though this culture, we're richer and better educated and healthier than we've ever been before, there is something, there is something wrong with how we think and feel about the world that is profound. And I think one of the things that God wants to do in our church is set us up as a as a beacon of hope, hope that real joy is possible, real joy is possible no matter what your age and stage of life, and, and that real joy is what we need to make life work. You know, you can be, uh, our universities are full of extremely bright, competent young people who have no joy, and therefore are finding life almost impossible uh, to manage and to do. So let's have a think about joy, and here's what I'm going to say right up the front. Joy is the result of a life with God. You may wonder why you're here, right? Uh, You may think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not particularly religious, maybe you're spiritual, maybe you're checking stuff out, maybe you've been coming to church all your life. Let me tell you this. This is one of the most profound truths you can understand, that joy is an inevitable result of a life lived closely with God. It's a major theme in the Bible. There are over 400 references to joy in the Bible as a whole. It's a dominant motif. Uh, More than 40 references to joy in the Gospels and in the Psalms. Uh, One of the reasons, and and so this is, this is one of the things I find perplexing about the, the Christian community, is sometimes we aren't as full of joy as we should be, and sometimes I'm not as full of joy as I should be. And I think the reason that I'm not as full of joy as I should be is that I'm not living as closely with God as I could be. Right? That's, that's the promise of Christianity. The promise of Christianity is not a get-out-of-jail-free entry pass to heaven when you die and leave this miserable life behind. That's not Christianity. The promise of Christianity is not that we get to heaven, but that heaven comes to us, that God comes to us in Jesus Christ. That's what we've just celebrated, haven't we? Christmas. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe. That's the good news that Jesus came to tell us and to live and to die to bring about. So so God is with us, is accessible to us, and God now invites us in to eternal life which starts now, eternal life which is life With God. So if my joy comes from my life with God, and if the joy of the Lord is the key to flourishing as a human being, the key to you and I flourishing in 2019 is to live a life that is very deeply with God in every dimension of our life, every bit of our lives, to be woven into a life with God. So, uh, let's see uh, some of what the Bible says about joy. More than 400 references, as I said. We don't have time to go through all of them. Uh, joy is given by God. He is the source of joy. This is what Psalm 4, verse 7 says. Uh, fill my heart with joy when there grain and new wine about. Job 8, he will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Psalm 16, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God fills us with joy. That's what he longs to do. That's his plan. Isn't that cool? Have you ever thought about that as a central component of your Christian experience? joy, being filled by this God and his goodness and his presence. Joy comes with God's presence. He fills us by giving himself to us. So right through the Old Testament, we see verses like this. Uh, 1 Chronicles 27, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. That's in Psalm 9, I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O most high. Psalm 16, as we saw the previous slide, you make known to me the path of life, you will fill me with joy in your presence. And then with eternal pl- I, I loved uh, Johnno's analogy at the start about the tea bag uh, steeping in the war. that's the technical term Johnno not festering just. Uh, bit worried there about festering. So, what would it mean for this these verses to be true and for us to live as though they are actually true? See, I think sometimes one of the problems we have as Christian people, as spiritual people, is we read stuff like this and we go, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, and then we go out and our lives are no different right but actually what if it what if it took root in your soul in my soul what if what if i really did believe and come to experience that god will fill me with joy in his presence and and do i really believe that that there are eternal look at that what's that eternal what eternal demands eternal guilt eternal shame eternal pleasures at God's right hand I I sometimes think mm, I sometimes think we have a very grim and grumpy view of God don't we we just don't worship a happy God and Jesus reveals to us that God is eternally happy He's eternally full of joy. He's a God who laughs and who delights in us and wants to uh, pour into our lives eternal pleasures. That's pretty good. In the New Testament, of course, uh, God's presence comes to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Acts 13, we've just been preaching on this, and I remember uh, talking about this a couple of weeks ago, Uh, that the early disciples were meeting to pray and fast and worship, and they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, uh, a great blessing. May the God of hope fill you with what? All joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. Joy is integral to the life in the kingdom of God. Romans 14, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And what that joy in the Holy Spirit does in our lives in the kingdom is it makes us people who are characterized by joy. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you get the... Do you start to see? You start to see? Now, one of the problems we have... Uh, one of the problems we have I think some in our culture is uh, we can come to Christianity really in the same way we'd come to a set of interesting ideas can't we particularly in our sort of cerebral Anglican tradition Christianity is a compelling set of interesting historic facts and philosophical ideas and ethical guidelines and so on but Christianity is that, but it's, that's not nearly all it is. As I said at the start, Christianity at its heart is a life with God. And the way the Holy Spirit works on us is by a direct experiential encounter with the powerful personal presence of God himself. We need that. We need to know God. We need to encounter God. God needs to come and work on us and in us and upon us. There is such a massive gap between our heads and our hearts so very often. And that gap is the killer of all joy because just a set of ideas is never going to fill your heart with lasting joy that gives you strength to survive. What will fill us with joy is an immediate personal infilling of the Holy Spirit, God himself coming into us and upon us. Have you had that kind of experience of God? Do you want that? Do you seek that? God says to us, if you seek me, you will find me if we come to God and we say, God, I need you desperately. I long for you. I open my heart and my life to you. I welcome your Holy Spirit in. Then God is not a God who's going to be playing hide and seek with us, you know, that he's hiding and we've got to look around. And he says, seek me and you'll find me. Ask me to come in. He says, I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. Just open the door of your heart. I'll come in and I'll flood you with my presence. Now, have you had that? Do you know God on your heart more than just in your head? Are you full of the Holy Spirit as a lived, tasted reality? Now, sounds a bit Pentecostal to you. Maybe. Don't, don't be put off by that. They're onto something, our Pentecostal brothers. They've recaptured at this season in our church's life this dimension of the spiritual life that was kind of squeezed out, I think, by post-enlightenment mainstream Christianity. We reduced God to a set of ideas. We're idealist, romantic, post-enlightenment beings. And we lost the essence that li- of, of Christianity, which is God with us, experienced on our hearts. So if we want joy, we have to have that. Now, of course, you might say to me, "Um, hang on, Mark, Uh, I've had that. Um, Maybe in the past. Or you might say, and and it's it's dimmed. And maybe the thing that's dimmed your joy is the experience of suffering and hardship. You might say to me, but Mark, life is just tough, right? And it is. It is. It's hard. I mean, it's Easier than it's ever been at any other time in human history for the broad mass of humankind. But in our own lived experience, it's still hard. Uh, I find it hard in all kinds of ways. And I think sometimes we can think suffering will defeat our joy and hardship and pain and difficulty is bigger than our joy. And so sometimes we we think it's an either-or and we reduce the Christian life to just sort of hanging on. If we can just hang on till heaven. You say, no, no, there's way more. Uh, You see, in the Bible, suffering and joy exist together. They're not an either-or. So don't hear me saying, if you're suffering, you can't have joy, or if you're suffering, there's something wrong with you. It's not true. What, what the verse of the Bible that I think makes just extraordinarily profound psychological sense is Paul's verse in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 10. In the middle of describing his life that is full of hardship and suffering, he has these words. He says that we are sorrowful. Let's read that together on the screen there. We are yet always rejoicing let's say it again sorrowful yet always rejoicing it's both and it's not either or it's not now I'm having a great life but oh, next month it's gonna be terrible it's both that's life with God that's life with God it's there's no we don't have to pretend we don't have to think that, oh, nothing bad's going to happen to us if we encounter God and we do life with God. That's just not true. Um, you know, what was life like for Jesus? It was hard, wasn't it? It was hard. Jesus did not live a pain free, suffering free life. Far from it. And yet the Gospels, just read the Gospels and have a look at how much joy is talked about. Jesus was full of the joy of the Lord. And in Hebrews 12, it says, it was for the joy that was set before him that he went to the cross. See, joy is this motif right through the Bible, picking up Nehemiah, the strength that Jesus had to suffer and to die for people like us came from his experience of his Father and the joy that he drew on from the Spirit and the hope he had of eternal joy to come. Suffering and joy go together. Paul goes on later in 2 Corinthians 7 and he says, I am greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. What a... Wow. Wow like if you ask me what's an example of mature spirituality it's a person who is living a life so closely with god in every bit of their lives that in all their troubles they still are full of the joy of the lord it suffuses everything i've been reading a book uh, this last week a biography of Dallas Willard Who's a fairly well-known philosopher and theologian Who's had a big impact on me And, uh, and Willard had a very, very difficult life growing up And as did his uh, wife, they got married very young And Willard comments at one point He said uh, both he and his wife had one deep, deep experience of God being with them And so he said, you know, in our marriage When we were unhappy with each other we were both so happy in Christ that we could find joy in our marriage. Isn't that amazing? I, I read that and I thought, that's like the single best sentence I've read about marriage in a long time. I thought, what's the, what's the key? What's the key to a joy-filled marriage? Well, it's not just marrying someone who will always make you happy, because that person doesn't exist. Uh, it's not being someone who'll make the other person happy. We're powerless to do that. The the real secret for a joy-filled marriage is to be so full of joy in Jesus Christ that even when we're unhappy with the other person, our joy fills our relationship. eh? I thought that was beautiful. So joy and suffering go together. In fact, Peter puts it this way, In 1 Peter 4, but rejoice, be full of joy inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. When we're rejected, when we're persecuted, when we're tired, when our friends let us down, when our careers go nowhere because of our faith, When we're in financial hardship, and we look back and we think, man, if I hadn't given all that money away to the church over the last 20 years, I'd have a bit more money to get myself out of a hole now, whatever it might be. He says, rejoice if we're suffering with Christ for his cause. It's not an either-or. And this is so important to grasp because we as a culture are obsessed with feeling good, aren't we? We're obsessed with with living lives of personal peace and affluence. We we just we value Sort of feeling good one person put it this way said "Uh, in the past everybody in our culture had a little inner lawyer You know, so when you evaluated what you should do with your life your little inner lawyer You consulted your inner lawyer and your inner lawyer would tell you is this right or wrong? Right? That was really important, is this right or wrong. These days, we don't have an inner lawyer in our hearts anymore. What do we have in our hearts that we consult? Well, an inner therapist. So when we, when we come to make a decision in life, we consult our inner therapist to tell us, will this make me feel good about myself or not? Now, of course, the problem is when you live a life directly trying to feel good about everything, you end up with nothing. It's like you're grasping after, after water and you grab it in your hand and you hold onto it and then you squeeze it through your fingers and it's gone. That's what living a life directly for happiness, eschewing suffering, thinking that you, you've got to avoid discomfort, avoid pain at all costs is like. You, you grab after this thing of happiness, but you don't get it. Contrast, sorrow and joy go together. I I used to think, um, I mean, those of you who've heard me speak for a bit will know this, I I didn't have the easiest growing up uh, family of origin. So the first 20 years of my life were just full of a lot of heartache and pain. Uh, and I became a follower of Jesus in, along the, in the midst and so in addition to my own family of origin there was this Jewish experience of being a refugee uh, survivor of the Holocaust the Shoah, the Holocaust cast this dark pall of everything the war in Rhodesia the war in South Africa just suffering and pain and I became a Christian and I thought to myself as a Christian if I follow Jesus well enough and long enough eventually all the suffering will go away and you know what I discovered It's not like that at all. In fact, what I've discovered is the longer I go on, the greater the suffering is that I experience. Because the greatest suffering now is not just my own, but but the more people I love, the more people there are in my life, the more God gives me the capacity to open myself up, up to others, the more I'm now in touch with their pain and their suffering and their heartache. And the longer you go on, the more you see of it, but it doesn't mean I'm not also more full of joy, because my life now has so much more joy in it than it ever could have had as a 20-year-old. They go together. And that's the recipe for mental health. By the way, it really is. This is a message our culture needs. So here uh, is the question you should be asking yourselves now. The Question is, how do I get this joy? Show me the path to living a life with God that is full of joy that gives me the strength to flourish. And I'm just going to point you in four, in, direction, in the direction of four uh, disciplines or practices or ways of being that will help you live a life of joy. The first is this. Uh, immerse yourself in the Word of God. Why so? Because the Word of God, which we have in Scripture and we hear taught, is, is the way we get God's mind into our mind. So we know God and we know his love for us. This is what the prophet Jeremiah says, which is just an amazing verse. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. Why are we gonna fast in February? We're going to fast from food or technology or something else, but let's stick with food. We're going to invite the church to fast. You may never have done this before, but the discipline of fasting is we abstain from food so that we can feast on God, so that we can allow ourselves to feel that hunger and then come to God afresh and say, feed me, feed me from your word, to be saturated in what God is saying to you. Wow. We need that. Like, you, you need to have God's Word memorized and implanted in your mind. That, so it shapes everything. There's the joy. Uh, when I was... A, and, and by the way, it's better to have one verse memorized, implanted in your mind, and lived out a second nature than to read the whole Bible every year for 40 years but have none of it really penetrate deeply. Not that it's an either or, but. And I'll tell you God's mercy to me. When I was a teenager, uh, completely, you know, non Christian family, I helped this weird old guy at church move house. So typical youth group activity. Some teenagers in the holidays, can you come help this guy move house? Okay, so we could move house. At the end of the move, he gave us all little gifts. And my gift was this really daggy, sunset, motivational Christian poster from the 80s. You may even still have some up in your house. Um, and and, the, and I'd, I'd never read the Bible by myself. I'd never memorized it, didn't know any of this. But the verse on the bottom of, on this poster was from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understandings, and he will make your paths straight. And every night in the chaotic craziness of my teenage years i would see this poster and i would see that verse and let me tell you i i stand up here tonight like 33 years after i was given that poster and my life is just a testimony to the truth of that verse just at every key point in my life god has spoken to me through that verse what i should study when I should change what I should study, where I should study, who I should marry, where we should work, what church we should serve at, what I should do, everything. It's Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 from when I was a 15 year old with this daggy motivational poster. So let the word of God get into you and shape you and change you. Feed on it. It's more precious to us than food itself. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, says Jesus, quoting Deuteronomy. Like, that's the joy. So you live life with God by having God in you through his word. And then you, you, you stoke your joy in God by worship. Uh, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't made this connection until I was preparing for this. Uh, in Luke 24, after the disciples had encountered the risen Jesus, uh he's just he's uh, he's about he returns up to heaven and while he was blessing them he left them and was taken up into heaven and what did they do then then they worshiped him jesus for the first time and they returned to jerusalem with great joy worshiping jesus stokes our joy so you you may ask yourself why do i bother coming to gather with christians on a sunday because of the joy because of the joy our worship together of god singing praise to jesus magnifying jesus casting our hearts and our voices in his direction lifting our minds to jesus you letting music work its spiritual wonder on our souls that's meant to fill us with joy now, isn't that a good reason to come to church, like to be full of joy? And, and, and so, so church attendance, worship together should not be a chore, but a delight. It's the joy. How cool would that be? I mean, there's other things that go on with church, and sometimes it is a chore for sure. You've got to listen to long sermons when it's really hot, and you'd rather be napping and, you know but there's joy. Obedience is a really popular one. Um, if you want joy in your life, practice the spiritual discipline of obedience. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. You who obey will rejoice in the Lord. Sing, all you who are upright and hard. Let me tell you, if you want to suck all the joy out of your spiritual life, Simply be disobedient to God. Know what He wants you to do and do something else. And you will have no joy. It's really, I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? Like if you're in a, if you're in a, um, in a relationship, you're married, say, and uh, you know that your partner really hates it when you do X, If you spend your married life doing X, is there going to be any joy in your marriage? No. You know what they want. You do the opposite. Recipe for misery. Friends, it's just the same with God. I've always said this. It's always struck me. There's no one quite as miserable as a follower of Jesus, a Christian person, who's actually living like somebody who's not a Christian. And you know what that's like, don't you? You go... Oh, I know, I've got to follow Jesus, I'm, oh, but oh man, you know, this stuff over here looks so appealing. Ah, oh. Sexual sin, pornography, drunkenness, greed, pride, gossip, unforgiveness. I mean, these things are so appealing and attractive and if you get stuck in disobedience you will have no joy. Can I say that? If you get stuck in disobedience, you will have no joy. The path to joy in the Lord is the path of obedience. Saying to God, your will be done, not mine. That's where the joy is. And man, we, we fight against that. We, we try to have it. We really do. I've spent you know, 25 years leading churches I can't tell you how many people I've seen who try to have it both ways. (laughs) I want to be all spiritual and Christian, but I also want to run my own life my own way, do my own thing. It doesn't work. You're going to be miserable. You can keep it up for a while. Maybe you can keep it up for 40 years, but it's going to be 40 years of joyless misery. The joy comes from wholehearted obedience and surrender to God. It's not easy, by the way. Don't, don't hear me saying that's easy. It's not, but it's the path to joy. And the final thing is, the joy comes from witness, bearing witness to Jesus, so that others enter into that joy. Uh, in Luke fifteen, uh, these wonderful three parables of the the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost brother. Uh, when these items of great value are found, there is great joy, and Jesus says, "In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in." The presence of the angels over one sinner who repents (sighs) the discipline of keeping our church and our hearts and our lives open so that what brings us the greatest joy imaginable when is when others come in and experience that joy like that's cool right that's amazing if 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 Christianity is true this is the greatest joy in the world when I became a follower of Jesus, I still remember this so clearly. Uh, one of the first things that was said to me after, uh, after I'd come and eventually surrendered to Jesus was the guy who was praying with me said, you know, Mark, you need to know that all the angels of heaven are throwing a party because of your decision to follow Jesus. I'm like, it's like wow, that's pretty cool. That's the, and, and we get to share in the joy of others coming to know Jesus. So that's a discipline, right? So how do we bear witness to Christ in a way that others can come in and find this same joy, assuming we have the joy ourselves, right? It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a great blessing. So the word worship, obedience, witness. And the final thing is, I just want to end with this. Friends, you've got to know this no matter what our experience of joy in this world will only ever be a tiny foretaste of the joy that is to come. So uh, we will share. If if you become a follower of Jesus tonight, if you commit your life to him tonight, if you recommit your life to him, if you sign up on the side of God and say, I'm going to live a life with you, God, the promise that God holds out for us, is that we will share in this eternal, final, triumphant joy. So this is what we should be living for, right? Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. Jesus says this. One day, if you, if you live your life with God, the master will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Isn't that, don't you want that? Man. Imagine, imagine one day coming into the presence of Jesus, And after all of life has been done, and it's been hard, and you've made it, and you've known God, and you've trusted Him, you've obeyed Him, He's been with you, and you finally get there, and the risen Jesus comes down that road on the way into the New Jerusalem, and He throws His arms around you, arms that still have the scars in their hands from where He was crucified for you, and He still has the hole in His side and the scars on His head, and He throws Himself around you, and He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now come share my happiness. Wow. It's going to be worth it. You got to, well, you don't have to believe it. What'll keep you going is that, that it's worth it. Whatever sacrifice, whatever suffering, whatever hardship you and I go through in this life, it is worth it because we will share in the happiness of our God and our King revelation 19 uh, hallelujah for the lord god almighty reigns let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready we live for all eternity in the greatest party of all full of joy that's that's that is the future friends if you're with god that's the future in the present, it starts now, but it just keeps getting better. There is more and more and more and more joy to come. Can I say that again? There is, there is more and more and more joy to come. Like, that's good news, yeah? That's a, that's, that'll get you out of bed in the mornings. That'll keep you serving. That'll keep you trusting. That'll keep you being generous. That'll keep you forgiving. That'll keep you making a difference in the world. There is more and more and more joy to come. It starts now. It explodes in our hearts. It changes us. And then it just keeps on getting better. That's pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. So I'm going to pray. And uh, we're going to just ask God to fill us with joy afresh Uh, Lord God, uh, we ask your Holy Spirit to come even on this hot, sticky night and uh, fill us with joy and make this real in our lives. Lord, uh, I pray that you will meet each of us where we are in our journey. We're all at different stages. We've come from different starting points. Some of us are really beaten up by life. Others have had really a pretty easy life. Wherever we are, Lord, may we may we from tonight onwards live a life that is more deeply with you trusting you Holy Spirit I pray you will not you will not let us leave this room this church tonight until we've welcomed you more deeply into our lives come Holy Spirit graciously gently flood our lives fill us with joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength Amen.